0: Welcome to Superintendent Radio Network. I'm Guy Soprano. Joining us is Larry Hirsch, the president of Golf Property Analyst. And Larry last fall released a book called Golf Property Analysis and Valuation, A Modern Approach. So now we have Larry on the line. We're going to talk a little about his book and some of the things he's seeing in the golf market right now. First off, Larry, uh, thanks for taking some time for us today.
1: My pleasure. Thank you.
0: So here we are. We're in March of 2017. Describe the condition of the market from your perspective. What are some things you're you're seeing at this point in time?
1: Broad question. <laughs> Basically, I think it's pretty safe to say that there are people who want to buy golf courses. There's still a limit on the available debt financing that's out there. Certainly, we're still losing golf courses in the market, which, you know, should be positive for those that remain, but I think, you know, the overriding issue that golf needs to solve uh, seems to be participation. Not only uh, is participation declining, but from the statistics that I see in here, uh, it's as much or more people leaving the game than getting them to come into the game, and I, I have some pretty strong feelings about why that is. I think that golf has not done a good job of embracing what I call the three M's, which are millennials, minorities, and moms. So I think we have to do a better job uh, of bringing those three groups into the game to grow participation. And if that happens, I think fewer golf courses will close, uh, and I think um, values of golf courses will stabilize and and begin increasing.
0: How do participation numbers affect a golf course's value or what an investor might see in a golf course? Is that one of the first things somebody studies when they when they hear that maybe a golf course might be for sale?
1: Well sure they they want to understand what kind of depth there is in the marketplace, and people in the in the golf industry tend to uh, talk about the golf market, meaning there's one big national golf market and that there's one participation rate. And I, I tend to think that kind of like all politics are local, um, you know, that, that more, than, more than a national market, that every golf market is geographically and market segment oriented. I think that investors very much and very deeply look into markets to find out what segments work best in a given market, how much depth there are to each of those segments. Um, and that's a big part of their analysis when they when they invest in golf properties.
0: What facilities right now are the most attractive to people looking to to buy a golf property?
1: It seems as though uh, member owned private clubs that may be in a little bit of distress are the most attractive opportunities. There are several companies that are out there actively seeking. Um, those kinds of properties uh, simply because they feel they can do a better job of managing managing them than you know members who operate by board and committee and you know it's pretty inefficient. Um, so that's a market that seems to be pretty active right now. I mean just in in my area in the last month, three private clubs have uh, transferred from member owned uh, from the members to, Uh, for-profit investor groups
0: and on the other side what what properties seem to be the least attractive right now to to investors
1: Uh, I would say any any property that is located in an area with limited population and that needs potentially a lot of um, capital investment but more than anything else I, I think one of the things that I see all the time is specific criteria as to uh, the number of rooftops within a 5 or 10 or 15 or whatever mile radius. And every company has their own parameters. Some companies also have parameters that they will only buy clubs uh, that have a certain level, minimum level of gross revenues.
0: So what was 2016 like? Would you characterize it as an active year for golf investment a non-active year or just kind of a in-between year
1: it's been a little more active than than the last several years but um, and and i would include the first part of 2017 in that but you know all in all if you if you go back to the mid to late 90s there haven't been any years where there have been as many deals as occurred back then
0: and how about management companies are they they Gaining prominence, losing prominence—is that about staying the same over the last few years? Where's the industry at with management companies investing and in owning properties?
1: Man- management companies, I think, have taken on a bigger role in the industry. Although it's still probably only—I uh, I don't know what the latest statistics are—but you know, I would say it's somewhere between 10 and 15 percent, or 12 and twenty percent something like that say 10 to 20 percent uh, of the total industry uh, of uh, uh, universe of golf courses are operated by multi-course management companies um, so it's not a huge segment of the market you know it's not a majority but it, it has grown what I think is more important is that most of these management companies are looking more for management contracts than they are for acquisitions although there are some looking for acquisitions
0: Larry, what's a day like in, in your shoes? You obviously study this stuff. Tell tell our listeners and the golf course superintendents and architects and builders that, that, that follow our magazine, what does somebody like you do during the course of a day and a week, and what what are some things you're really studying in particular this time of year?
1: Well, regardless of the time of year, it, that doesn't really impact what, what I do, except for the fact that when it's cold and there's snow, it's it's kind of harder to inspect the property and understand understand what we're what we're looking at uh, but we can do it basically what I'm looking at all the time is the combination of the market the market segment the property the property's income history and characteristics and part of that is the physical uh, characteristics of the property not only its quality but but often more important than its quality, its condition. Um, you know, you often hear people say something about this is a great golf course or that's a great golf course, you know, because a lot of us, most of us in this industry are golfers. And, and we all, you know, when we, when we get around over a beer or a cup of coffee, we, we all like to talk about the great golf courses that we've played. And it's amazing how many people will try and convince me that a golf course is worth a certain amount of money because it's a great golf course. In some cases, the fact that it's such a great golf course might actually diminish the value because the market that it's in is looking more for a plain vanilla facility. A plain vanilla facility that's in good condition and well-operated, but nonetheless a plain vanilla facility. I mean, I've been to a lot of great golf courses that I think, geez, a 20 handicapper would do nothing but lose a dozen balls out here. And, and I think that there were, especially in the boom days of, of the 90s uh, and early 2000s, there were a lot of golf courses that were built that a lot of people just, you know, can't play. And I think that's what's um, pushed a lot of people away from the game. It's, you know, it's a hard game. And when you make the golf course that much harder, it's, it's even more so.
0: You've been following this stuff for a few decades now. What convinced you to write a book about some of your experiences and some of the things people involved in these acquisitions need to look out for and tell our listeners a little about the book.
1: Sure. Well, first of all, what motivated me to write the book was that there hadn't been a whole lot written over the years. I mean, I've written a lot of articles and stuff, but there have been a couple books written previously uh, on the valuation and analysis of golf courses and, the profession has evolved over time and there's, I, I think it's advanced considerably in the last uh, 25 years. Uh, we have an organization that was formed 25 years ago called the Society of Golf Appraisers and I was instrumental in forming that and, along with a friend of mine, Sam Hines from Orlando. And and that group has advanced the, the profession, I think, you know, from an understanding of golf course economics, golf course properties, the details. Uh, the fact that a golf course isn't really real estate, it's a combination of business and real estate. But what really motivated me to write the book when push came to shove was that I had seen um, several decisions in court cases, like tax assessment appeal cases and things like that. And, and I had seen some decisions that were written by judges referring to uh, publications that were out of date to the point where the conclusions were, I felt, incorrect. And what I wanted to do, since you know we've probably done as many golf course appraisals as anybody, was take the benefit of that experience and put it out there in a published, credible form um, that would hopefully get judges, lawyers, other appraisers, whatever, um, finding the right conclusions to these cases and using the right methodology and techniques to come to these conclusions so that properties would be assessed fairly, so that condemnation cases would be done appropriately, so that date and other tax matters would be resolved uh, more effectively and and more equitably. So that was really the motivation for writing the book, and fortunate enough to uh, time it in a in a way that the appraisal institute was ready to do a new book on on golf courses so did it with the appraisal Institute they published it they sell it and I uh, think it it turned out pretty well
0: there are a lot of fascinating things in the book and one of the things that surprised me Larry were the number of sections that had to do with uh, course conditions and the layout how important are our day-to-day course conditions, and what a superintendent c- can control to, to the actual value of the, the golf course.
1: I seem to remember writing an article about this some time ago, and maybe it was even for GCI, but, but I guess you know, we, all, we all like to talk about, if we're real golf geeks like you and I are, um, we like to talk about which major championships were held on a course we played or who designed the course we played. And one of the greatest lines I ever heard was that the average golfer – doesn't know the difference between Donald Ross and Donald Duck. And the, the the foundation of that statement is basically that, you know, Joe 20 handicapper, he just wants to go out and have a good time. And what's really important to him is not whether Donald Ross or, or somebody else designed the golf course, but what kind of condition is it in. There have been surveys done. I think Golf Digest did one a couple of years ago where they – you know, they surveyed golfers on what's the most important part of the golf experience. And number one, by a long shot, was the condition and speed of the greens. So if you take that and, and, and go down to where, you know, condition of the fairways and the tees and the bunkers and everything else are also uh, important, you know, just behind the greens, you know, you realize that the superintendent's role is very important in, in the value of the golf course because people will come back and play it or join it or whatever. The architect's role is very important because the architect plays a great role not only in defining the golf experience but also in giving the superintendent a palette that he can do his job on better. Some golf courses are easier or harder to maintain. So the superintendent and the architect have a have a big, big role in, in that. There's obviously the, the visual part that the architect creates, but I think that once you get to... Determining the superintendent's role in the economics of a golf course, it's huge. Not only are conditions the number one thing that people think about, but the golf course maintenance budget is usually the biggest department, budget department, for any club. So, you know, the economics there are very significant.
0: What are some things a golf course superintendent can do during the regular day-to-day maintenance of his or her job to enhance the long-term value of the property?
1: obvious one is keeping the golf course in good condition, meaning that the players find it to be an enjoyable experience at, at whatever level. In the book, there's a whole list of of different market segments. I think you have to match the conditions to the market segment. But I also think that how the course is presented, if you're out there on a Sunday and it's, you know, just general play and You've got a bunch of average golfers out there, and you place the pins on the top of knobs in the corners of the greens. It takes five and a half hours to play. People aren't going to play the next time. So I think superintendents can play a very significant, um, albeit indirect, role in the economics of a golf course by making for an enjoyable experience. The other thing is too is that you know another statement that I heard um, at the same seminar that I heard the Donald Ross, Donald Duck one was that if the greens are slow, the hamburger tastes bad. And part of a golf course's business operations is food and beverage. And if the greens are slow, the guy may not even want to go, or or if the greens are bad, the guy may not even want to go in and have a hamburger. And if he does that, then the golf course is going to lose money or lose potential business. So the superintendent can indirectly play a role in how much food and beverage business is done.
0: So when somebody like yourself gets involved with the property, and begins the appraisal process. How should a superintendent react to that situation? Does it present an opportunity? or Are there some guidelines for superintendents that maybe are at a property that might be going through a sale?
1: First of all, I think that if a superintendent is good and he's doing his job and he knows the property, I find that a lot of buyers want to keep that superintendent in place because he has a history with the property and he knows what to do. Now, you know, assuming that buyer is going to give the superintendent the tools to do his job, um, that should be a win-win situation for, for everybody. I find that when we go to a club, either as an appraiser, a consultant, or even in a brokerage situation, the people we get the most and the best information from are usually superintendents. What they can tell us, about not only the condition of the turf, which to some extent we can see, but also the condition of the equipment, the condition of the irrigation system, the age of the irrigation system, where they're having problems, drainage issues, things like that play a very big role in ultimately what the golf course is worth indirectly, but also directly in how the income and expense profile of the property is.
0: What are some things when you were writing this book and doing some research about for this book that maybe you initially thought would not make it to the book, that made it to the book? Was there anything after further review you thought was really important to to get out there?
1: That's another big, broad question. Actually, what I'm starting to learn, and I, I need to start taking notes, is that I notice things every day that I should have put in the book that I didn't just a little more detail about this or a little more detail about that or describing a certain situation that I've encountered or something like that. Golf courses are a very complex property. Um, you know, First of all, you have the differences that exist between private clubs, daily fee courses, and resorts. Then you have all the differences that exist in the sub-market segments, and then you have just the the differences between facilities. You know, some some properties uh, have lots of room with relatively flat terrain. Other properties have not so much room with severe terrain. Uh, Some properties have, you know, a simpler or a more complex and thus more expensive uh, water supply situation. Um, You know, there's just, there's so many differences that, you know, I don't know that I could ever write a book that would cover them all. I think probably the thing that I wanted to get out more than anything else is utilizing the right techniques and methodologies to address the value questions of golf courses, which, which are largely a difference between physical comparisons and economic comparisons. I think that's probably the main thing. And then, of course, what I mentioned earlier about putting them out there in a way that can be used by courts so that um, decisions in litigation are more appropriate than they have been.
0: Are you seeing any signs recently that golf course values might be going up over the course of the next few years? Are there there any signs up there that these properties are becoming more valuable, whether they stay a golf course or, or become something else?
1: Before you even get to alternative uses, you know, you you have to separate the golf courses that have the ability to be used alternatively through zoning or restrictive covenants or whatever and those that don't. But the bottom line is, is that as operating golf courses, you know, it would stand to reason that if everything else remained the same and golf courses continued to close, That the value of the remaining golf courses would increase the question is how do you measure that value there's one broker out there that publishes something every year where he simply averages the sale price of the courses that he sold and says values are going up i'm not so sure that's totally accurate but you know he's, he's trying to generate listings i tend to look at multiples and cap rates meaning you know what's the gross revenue multiple what's the net income multiple has that changed and you know are people willing to pay more for a specific income stream than than they previously were whether or not that income stream goes up is another question uh, and in theory it should if there are fewer golf courses and the same number of people are playing golf but right now we're in an area we're in a, in a situation where participation is declining, and we've got to turn that
0: around. A few other things before we let you go, Larry. We're starting to see some superintendents that want to take a more prominent business role at their operation. What are some things superintendents can do to learn more about course values, appraisals, investing, and the things we're talking about right now?
1: One of the things that if you, if you look in the beginning of my book, uh, we make it very clear that it's not just for appraisers. And superintendents can read this book, and it's been written to, to be able to be read by people that aren't appraisers uh, to learn some of these things. I mean, we, we've uh, aimed at a, accountants and assessors and attorneys and bankers and architects and all these people, and you know, superintendents should be included in that group. And, and I would recommend that they, that they take a look at it to kind of learn the economics of, uh, of golf courses. In fact, we were I was going to call the book Golfonomics, but somebody else had already used that title somewhere, so we couldn't use it, because it's really about the economics of golf course properties. So that would be one place to go. I would also think that, you know, I know that uh, GCFAA offers some seminars that, that they can take to learn about that. But there are, there are most definitely opportunities for guys with agronomy backgrounds uh, and gals to get into club management. I know uh, a fellow by the name of Glenn Smickley, who I met when he was a superintendent at RTJ in Virginia. He later became the GM of that club and is now the GM of a club in California. And uh, he's doing great. And, and I'm, I know there's other guys in the same boat.
0: And the last thing... Larry, where can someone go to obtain a copy of the book?
1: You can go to the Appraisal Institute's website, which is www.appraisalinstitute.org slash golf. And if you go to my website, which is golfprop.com, there's also a link on my website to, to get and order the book. And there's a discount available if you just type in the word GOLF in all caps under promotions, special promotions.
0: I've started reading the book and going through different parts of it. It really is great stuff, Larry. Thanks for joining us.
1: Hey, my pleasure. Thanks uh, thanks for having me on.
0: You've been listening to the Superintendent Radio Network, the podcast of Golf Course Industry Magazine, a production of GIE Media. I've been your host, Guy Cipriano. You can find all of our podcasts on iTunes or the SRN page of golfcourseindustry.com talk to us at srn at gie.net or at gci magazine on twitter thanks for listening